Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about our most recent trip where you came to Buffalo? Yeah, let's do it. Cue music. And welcome to another fine episode of Panda's Talking Games. Uh, I'm your host who lives in the 716, Phil. <laughs> and I'm your host who doesn't, Senda. <laughs> yeah, you visited. <laughs> I visited. Um, real I quick, visited. Real quick disclaimer for uh, anyone who's just picking up the podcast for the first time. If you're jumping in and you're like, hey, this is my first Pandas Talking Games, this is what we call a chit-chat episode. It's not our normal format. This is where we kind of talk a little bit about our lives. We're going to get some gaming stuff in here, uh, but uh, this is typically what we do when we don't have a show prepared, and we'll explain that in a moment why we didn't. We've had some scheduling um, kerfuffles, uh, but... When we don't have a show prepared, we do this format called a chit-chat where uh, we have basically two questions we each answer, uh, which is what is giving us life in gaming and what is giving us life outside of gaming. Uh, And the phrase giving us life, we always attribute to our friends over at The Gauntlet who uh, taught it to us. And we like to use it here for our chit-chat episodes. Now, if this is your first episode and you're trying to figure out if you like us or not, this may be a good episode to do. But if it isn't, hit any one of our previous episodes that is not a chit-chat and you will hear the normal GMing advice that we dispense on the show. Fair enough? Yes. Cool. Yes. Good do you disclaimer. Do, do you want to talk about why we're like, like why we're just kind of randomly recording a chit-chat on a Saturday? I mean, yeah, sure. We probably should. Sure. Because, I mean, but this is when we would normally be recording. So, like, it's extra complicated. But we weren't. Then we were. We weren't going to. See if we can unpack this briefly. Yeah. (laughs) So, we missed a week. And that's because Sunday was here in yes. buffalo and we did not yes. record because i don't have a dual mic set up at my place we do at sendas so sometimes yeah. when i'm in denver it's possible for us to record an episode together because we have a dual mic set up at sendas i do not therefore we don't record because two hosts one mic is as we've all learned from the internet that's just weird not um, good <laughs> so so that's so that's the reason we didn't record that's why there's an episode there wasn't an episode last week then we were going to try to record during the week. Yeah, because so theoretically, we weren't supposed to be able to record this weekend. Yes. We thought. So we were like, oh boy. And we sat down while I was in the airport on my way home <laughs> and tried to sort out when we could record this week. And we thought, maybe Wednesday night? That was really the only window there was, and it was not a good window. And we knew it wasn't a good window. It was just literally the only window that was available to us. Um, Yes. Which then didn't work. (laughs) Didn't end up happening. Because you had to do uh, stuff with shrimp. Oh, yeah. Because there were surprise shrimp that came home from the last day of school. Yes. Yeah. And had that to get a, a tank together and stuff like that. That was so, a whole thing. So yeah. yeah, so then we didn't. And we were like, fine, Senda's going to record a thing on Saturday, just a solo thing, and we'll put it up just so we have some content. 
uh, because my kiddos were going to be coming over spending the weekend with me. But surprise, Friday morning, one of my kiddos gets COVID. Um, Yep. And so they're isolated at their mom's house. I didn't get them for the weekend, although I did get exposed to my daughter on Thursday. So we're waiting to see what happens when you test. Yes. Fingers crossed. Which I'll test on Sunday. I'm feeling mostly okay now. I feel a little tired and I have like a headache, but honestly, I can't figure out if that's just spring, right? Like it's just so. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, I don't have any congestion or anything. Fingers crossed, I'm going to be, I'll be fine. Anyway, so all of a sudden, we're like, well, we can record on Saturday, so we'll just do a chit chat. Yeah, so here we are recording, but because we missed the original window, which was also going to be a chit chat because it was going to be a very short episode, but we didn't know we were recording this until yesterday, we didn't actually plan a real episode. <laughs> These things happen, folks. Oh, man. So we're back to the chit chat. Don't know how are, long it'll be, but it'll it's going to be an episode. Uh, we we are not working with a buffer right now. I guess is the thing that we should say. There's no buffer. You you hear the episodes we record that week. <laughs> we don't we don't normally operate There's with no a buffer. Spares. <laughs> a buffer would require additional time to record more episodes when we weren't, and we actually don't really have that kind of schedule. Like. We're kind of busy on weekends and stuff. And so anyway, let's get on with an actual show here and let's jump into the first topic, which I will pose the question to you, Senda, what is giving you life in gaming? I have, I have two answers, actually. Are, are you two going to steal one from me or? No, I'm going to leave one of them for you. Okay, good. Okay. Um, so uh, the, 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 the first one, um, I, I'm going to start most recent and work my way backwards. The first one is um, my local gaming group. We got together. We played on Thursday like we do. Um, and we were missing a bunch of folks. And we also ended up with only the in-person people here. Um, so we didn't have to necessarily worry about uh, digital table stuff. So we actually broke out the new fiasco with the cards. Um, and it's been a while like I think actually the last time I played fiasco was when I played it for sas geek so it's been a couple years probably um since I played fiasco and it was a delight um and I'm really happy that that happened and that that's how that worked out anyway so that's just my like ugh, I love games that I can just sit down at the table and play yeah yeah so let's talk about that for a moment because I think that's actually one of the strongest points to the new fiasco right this is the second edition of fiasco the original edition of fiasco uh which is one of my favorite games ever has a bit of work to set up in order to start playing it right you need like yeah the sometimes as short as a half hour but often it's longer than that to kind of get the relationships the objects all that stuff sorted out so that you can then actually start figuring out scenes and, and getting into it yeah. Um, the second edition. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah. The second yeah. edition, which we saw Jason Morningstar demoing at Origins like back in 2019, 2018, something like that. I think it must have been 2018. Yeah. And then you actually got for Saskeek because you got a prototype to put on Saskeek while yeah. Saskeek was on the air. But here's the thing. Um, and I don't think it's bad, but Saskeek's recorded somewhat digitally too. 
Yeah, it was. So, there was a little bit of workaround happening. Yeah, so, so this this was like your actual, and you know, like open the box, put it on the table, and get going. And I did this. Yes. Um, I did this months ago when I moved into my new place. I had the guys over. We had a blown game night, and we also pulled out Fiasco and put it on the table. And I guess the thing I wanted to bring up here is there is something to be said, especially for a one shot game that has the ability to quickly be put up at the table. Yes. I don't think it's a big deal if you're playing a campaign style game, right? Like if you're playing a game that you're playing many, many sessions of that kind of thing. Like, I don't think having a quick setup is exactly a huge advantage, but I think if you're playing a one shot, that's like a one evening kind of thing. The way that fiasco is set up. And if you, um, if you want to, because it's not, I don't think it's hard to do. You can actually compare first and second edition fiasco. Like you can actually see the difference in the setup and you can kind of see the evolution where the cards and the way the cards are set up and everything, even with the little things like there are names on the bottom of a card. Yeah. Right. It's so brilliant. The, right. Like you all just, of that. It takes so much of the, like having to think of things or, figure out how things work process just removes it from the equation completely. Exactly. And so like even really not really remembering all the specifics of the rules and literally reading the rule book to get us started, which the rule book is like three pages to be clear. Um, three half size pages, I should say, um, you know, it was still like we got up and moving really quickly um, and, and, and just having like the extra cards even sitting on the table when we did need a name for someone, we were just like, uh, here, right. Versus I'm known for like sitting here and like, uh, pulling my chair back and like staring at my bookshelf and trying to pick a name off of one of the books right. or something, right? Like I'm terrible at names. Um, so I, yeah, I really appreciate the thought that went into the second edition of Fiasco, um, in terms of like making it that fast and that easy to get off the ground while still maintaining the level of complications. And then also just, um, honestly, the removal of the dice and the use of cards instead, um, like just reduces the mathing and some of the, um, thinking through of like, what dice do I give, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like, um, yeah. it just unifies it and it makes everything, um, really smooth. I think it makes I it move very quickly you spend a lot less time on the mechanical elements and more time on playing the game yeah and <laughs> I actually great. I actually think that's really smart for a one shot it's actually a challenge that um, we have with turning point is that turning point does not have the fastest setup it, it's not insurmountable yeah. and I don't think you can do what like I don't think you can solve it the same way that fiasco solved it because you are building a, a person collaboratively. You are building a situation in their light, you know, in this person's life collaboratively, and then you are playing out your scenes. So I don't think it, I don't, I don't know. I can't say I don't think we have pushed it to be as fast in its current configuration. And I think it would really require some out of box thinking to see if there's options. And then would it still be the same game? Yeah, and it's also there's a part of it um there's a part of it for turning point which is um doing some of that creation process tends to lead you from 
feeling set up to like those sort of like we're getting the creative juices flowing because we're making a person in a situation which tend to lead to excitement for the game um which is really interesting because the the thing that um when you look at fiasco as like okay there's just a bunch of cards and you just do this really very generalized don't spend too long on it setup then you you look at it and you think well we won't have enough information to start this but then of course the moment that you actually start playing like you do and things start going downhill quickly. <laughs> yeah, I, I... Which is the point of that game. Um, but I think... I think maybe um, one of the things we would have to solve for to make Turning Point start up faster is that um, in its current form, it requires a lot of knowledge of the person and the individual that you are passing around to play in the game to be able to play the scenes and, and be invested in them. And so the thing we would have to figure out to make it happen faster is, um, is there a way that we can create that investment and intimate personal knowledge of like the inner workings of that person during play instead of during setup and still have the same result yeah. of investment, right? I, it's I, not that that's not a solvable thing, but that's the problem we would be solving for, right? And, and, it, and if by solving it, did we actually lose... Um, did we yeah. actually lose part of the game, right? Part of the game is supposed to um, develop a pretty strong emotional attachment so that um, the decision kind of has a heavier weight. Fiasco doesn't require a heavy emotional attachment to the game. No. It's supposed to be kind of light and funny, and you're supposed to kind of, you know, drive your character around like you stole them kind of thing with, you know, that kind of Cohen brothers kind of folly with it. Turning points very different. I could think of some ideas and we'll maybe talk about them in the lounge or offline. But anyway, I don't want to belabor the point. I want to just kind of return to the original idea that yeah. I think what makes Fiasco second edition really stand out is that it it really put an emphasis on how fast you can go from the box on the table to the first scene. And it didn't really change too much else fast. about the game, but it yeah. really compressed what used to be, and it wasn't tedious or wasn't unfun. But they did just they just got rid of a, a whole bunch. They got yeah. rid of a whole bunch of the time put in there without losing anything about the game. So I actually think it's yeah. very very it's smart really game smart. design. If you have never played Fiasco before, highly recommend it. Um, you can play it online. There is a Roll Twenty version of it. Um, I love it in person, but again, there is a Roll Twenty version of it that is based on the second edition, right? So mm -hmm. it is actually set. It's set up to play second edition Fiasco on Roll Twenty. Uh, but yeah, it's a good game. It's a fun game. Get it? I years ago wrote the. Um, it's it's kind of funny. I wrote one of the first early reviews for mm -hmm. first edition Fiasco, and you yeah. actually did the actual play. One of the early <laughs> actual early plays actual for plays, second. Yeah. yeah. I still have the so it, and it, it secondarily it's funny because you have the actual Kickstarter edition, I have the like preprint, um, like press edition that was sent out, which means that I have a limited number of decks in that box right now. Um, so I've been thinking about going out and getting some more, but I also have a deck that they decided not to print. Yeah. Um, which is pretty funny because it's the one we ended up playing for the show because we didn't know that till after we did the show. They were like, oh, that's actually the one deck we're not putting in the Kickstarter. And I was like, oh, man, you should have told me. <laughs> anyway. But, um, anyway, moving right along. So Fiasco was a delight. It was perfect. Um, you know, we just dumped it on the table because there were four of us and it was great. But the one that I really wanted to mention 
I meant that to be a quick in passing mention, but the one that I really wanted to mention, and it is also along the lines of getting to game in person, is that we got to play our Long Live the Queen one-on-one game in person, Mm -hmm. like at the same table. Only the second time we've done it. Sitting there looking at each other with our real eyeballs. Yeah. It was which was great. which was fun. Uh, it was an excellent um, it was an excellent time. The you know we play we play this game primarily via Zoom, and um, we got to play face to face at a table, which I you know like for me was just great because it was a chance to play face to face. It doesn't so the game doesn't lose anything for me when we play online versus face to face. Um, yeah. And I think, and I think there are two factors for this one, when we're playing face to face or when we're, pl- when we play, it's one-on-one game. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like having to juggle many little videos or whatever. Like when we play, I just have you as the video. Yeah. Right. And I'm just it- talking to you. It actually eliminates a lot of the things because it's a one-to-one game. I think that um, online games can struggle with, um, like just the way that video conferencing doesn't really support the ability to have any sort of quiet side chatter. Like everybody has to be focused on the same thing at the same time Mm -hmm. or like all of those kinds of things, which are some of those things that, you know, we... I think as as just gamers started to encounter frequently when a lot of us started gaming online a lot for the pandemic. Um, but um, so, yeah, it, it is interesting because it's a one to one game. I don't think it actually changes the feel of the game as much as it does for some of my other games when I play in person. I agree. Having having said that. I do think we actually, I don't remember how long we actually played for, but on Zoom, we usually play for what, like an hour, an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. I think we might have played longer in person. Yeah. I mean, Zoom fatigue is definitely a thing we've talked about of just, you know, there's a little extra effort, a little bit of delay, whatever with Zoom when we were playing face to face was kind of, you know, just really smooth and easy easy. and (laughs) just really easy. Um, So, so yeah, like, so that was, that was a thing. And like, you know, it's just it's just fun because you get more um, emoting in person yeah. um, a little bit just because you get full body language instead of just what's visible in Zoom. Translatable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, which is nice. But again, because there's only two of us and our focus is pretty directed, I don't think we miss a ton um, going Zoom um, versus in no, person. No, I, I, it's, uh, there isn't the extra cycles. Like I know when I'm playing and I have to play online because of my COVID exposure, I got to play my Sunday game online yeah. this yeah. week. And, you know, so one of the things I kind of constantly have to do while we're playing is kind of scanning the, yep. you know, all Every, the little all, pictures. Everybody else. Yeah. Yep. Which yeah. I don't have to do when I'm just playing with you. Cause I get to like make you like, you know, nearly full size, like you're 66% of one screen. Yeah. When we're I playing. Mean, the funny thing about that game, just like in general, is the whole thing where like we talk a lot about being giving as a player with the spotlight, right? Like making sure that you're sharing the spotlight, bringing other people into scenes with you, um, letting the table support you in your decisions or sourcing decisions to the table, supporting other people in making cool decisions if they ask you for help, etc. right? And it is a little strange being the only player in that game from the perspective that if I am not sure what to do in any given moment, there is no one, like there aren't any other players to feed me thoughts or ideas, right? And it's 
it's not that I can't be like, hmm, not really sure what to do and that you wouldn't give me input, but it is different to receive input like that from the GM than it is from a fellow player who is also in the dark about what's actually going on, right? Yeah, and I mean, to some extent, I have to, you know, do a little work to make sure that... Sometimes. Um, yeah, sometimes. Well, you know, I don't want to taint things with, um, you know... I don't want to. I don't want to taint things by using, you know, GM knowledge or access, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I don't want to steer you towards, nor do I want to steer you away from things. Yeah. So I, I try to, I, <laughs> I try to do, yeah, yeah, and I try to do that work um, primarily through NPCs. Yeah. So your your character, while you are the only player character, there are actually two NPCs who, in a moment's notice, you can actually cycle out and play. Um, if yeah. you needed to switch, if you need to switch roles, but you have two supporting characters. So sometimes yeah. I just will take one of the supporting characters and will talk with you and will inject some of their perspective on it. Yeah. And it's that's a little, helpful. yeah, it's like a little bit of balance, but yeah, it is, you know, a lot more on you, but I also try to, um, I also try to op- open up the game in that I, there are not. Uh, prescribed ways to get things done. Yeah, I mean this is a well, th- this yeah. is a general rule of my GMing, yeah. but for this game in particular, I will often I will often pr- present you with multiple choices, multiple avenues, and then this way you can kind of go with what works for your play style, and then we just kind of work from like we just work off that. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's not at all that it's, uh, it's not that it's a bad thing, right? Like, it's just funny to be sitting there and a sometimes be like, Oh, I don't actually, I need to think about what to do. And then just like sit here and think about it. Right. Right. <laughs> like, and, and there's not like, I'm, I am used to a certain level of just like constant collaboration at the table, um, out of character. Um, when I'm like, Hmm, I'm not sure what the most interesting thing is. Um, which is not to say that we're not collaborative. I did not mean it to come out like that either. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. But um, so it's different there. And then sometimes I leave the game feeling like, oh, man, did I share the spotlight enough? Yeah, of course I did. I you am the spotlight. The spotlight. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Right? Like, I, um, especially from doing um, so much actual play where I was having guests on. And, um, you know, doing things to either specifically spotlight other people in the game um, or to make sure that I was not dominating the table is sort of the minimum, right? The minimum is you are not individually dominating the table Um, or making sure that we were like taking specific actions to spotlight parts of games. Like, um, it's really interesting how playing one-on-one turns some of that specific practice that I've spent a lot of time doing almost on its head, just from the perspective of like the play style is really different because the approach is I am the spotlight. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's interesting. And, and again, this is things we've talked about before, but just bringing bringing this back around because you are the spotlight is actually one of the reasons we don't play for four hours. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could play that game for four hours. I think, you know, the sweet spot is between one and two hours, right? And I think at your house, we might have played for like two hours. Yeah. Right? And, and that's totally fine. We still totally didn't fine. play all night or something, right? Like we both yeah. would have probably burned out because, um, yeah, it's... It's it's all, it's all spotlight. Like, it's all spotlight. 
It's either and it's just you. It's either <laughs> like, me or you talking. And and honestly, um, there are only two of us filling the space and the creativity. Um, versus like you know, if we talk about a quote normal session being about four hours, like three to. F- I don't actually usually play for four hours. Um, I play about so, three. Yeah, I usually play like three. Um, but that's like a lot more people filling up that space um, with a lot more like just different. Everybody has energy to put in and like, you know, different creative ideas. And it's easier to fill that time with more people. Right. It's really interesting. So it's an interesting. My, I'm really enjoying the game. <laughs> my retirement community plan is for gaming mm-hmm. um, is to just incorporate naps. So like. We just play for a couple hours, right? And then the game group like all takes a nap, right? And then we go and, and then just wakes up, or whatever, like. right? And then we just keep playing. <sighs> so, yeah, this, uh, is, this is what we all told. Uh, that's the end of all of our interviews. On um, oh my goodness, it's been a really long time. It's gone. Never mind. Okay, no worries. All right. Um, <laughs> I guess on to me. Yeah, so tell me what gives you life in gaming. Yeah, See, I so didn't take yours. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm going to talk about the other game we played when you were here, which was yeah. you guest starred in my Ox campaign. Yes, um, I did. The, the story of um, uh, interstellar geniuses traveling around, solving problems, um, and working on a larger mystery. So I had an adventure. I had a, a session prepared, a story prepared before you arrived that I was going to play bef- the like the session before. Yeah. So I wasn't even sure what I was going to do with your character. Like I wasn't even sure what I was doing yet. But then that game got canceled. And so now I had this like prepared session. But I also had you going to be at the session and we knew we wanted you yeah. to guest star. Everybody yeah. was excited to have you come guest star. So I spent part of like the week while you were here. I like retooled that episode. Yeah. Um, like I say episode story, whatever. And, uh, I put you in as the like major NPC that's on the planet that the players arrive at. You're like on the planet, you have a problem and they're coming to help. And so the tricky part about this, and this is the gameable, uh, GMing advice that I want to bring is that I made a conscious choice and I talked to you about it before I, before I put it into motion, yeah. which was in this game, the player characters are these super geniuses. Like not like they are not just smart. They are like Reed Richards, Scorpions, like not the rock band, the TV show. Uh Reed sure. Richards, Scorpions, <laughs> um Shuri, like that kind of, you know, that kind of um Amadeus Cho from Marvel Comics. Anyway, any of those, like that kind of smart. And we weren't adding to the party, right? Because they kind of collect, like their plan is to eventually collect more of these geniuses. So I needed to make you... we weren't adding because I'm not there. Right, you're not going to be playing like going forward. So I needed to make you the smartest person on the planet, but not a super genius. And so the thing that I talked to you about was like, would you be okay guest starring, but guest starring as more of a supporting character? Well, yeah, the, I think the really what it came down to was um, I was definitely guest starring as I stepped in and took an NPC, right? Yes. Even my character sheet was you not took the best a NPC. PC. I took the best right. NPC. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, but I was definitely stepping in to 
voice an NPC and do a little bit of backseat GMing, getting across the information that was specifically associated with my NPC and her knowledge, right? Yeah. Which was some, which was some like species stuff um, that, that was important to um, one or two characters, right? So, um, so yeah, and it was, and, and then, and then be able to toss dice into people's pools with like my more local knowledge than what mm-hmm. they had coming in from space. Um, but yeah, but that, that character was definitely an NPC. Yeah. Like she they, was not actually a PC. She would not have been a long-term character. Um, definitely an NPC. Right. Yeah. And that was, and, and so I wanted like, the thing was when you have somebody guest star, you can have somebody guest star as a full fledged PC, right? Like you mm-hmm. can have them just come in as a, you know, going to make a level five character. Cause the rest of the party's level five. Here's your character. You're jumping in for the story and then you're jumping back out. Yeah. Um, but in this case, I really wanted, um, I knew where I wanted you to fit. I knew what would fit for the story. And also it wasn't really, um, like it just, it just worked for the kind of story that we were telling and very much cause I had already written out this, um, the story to be played that the character that you had fit very nicely with that. And so the other option is to make that, and to make that character more NPC slash support character um, and have the person who's playing it be there to, you know, to participate and play, which you did, right? You were able to do all that, but your main role is to um, help support the main characters, right? And the way you were able to do that was like, you had your own skills, you had, you know, all of your own stats. Um, But in many cases it was, uh, it was better to do an assist move where you got to actually give a die to one of the other players um, than to kind of take on some of that stuff yourself. And for that, you didn't do as much rolling. You did plenty of role playing, like, which I, you know, which, which a, I know, you know, you enjoy very much. So it was fun to kind of make you um, this planetary expert. These guys show up and they don't really know a lot of what's going on because they're here for a different reason, but they've kind of stumbled into a problem that was created. And um, you're the, you know, the leading expert on the planet about this problem. And um, it played really well because there is a moment in the game where your character is like, I am an expert at this broken, like alien artifact thing, like this alien artifact that just broke. And they kind of come walking in and they're like, okay, let's get this thing started up again. Right. Like they just, (laughs) and they were able to kind of really, yeah. And they just kind of lean in and do that thing. But you were then able to be like, okay, Hey, while you're working on that, like I have this distinction, um, this is my life's work. So here, take a D eight because I can definitely help you work. Uh, yeah, on this. like I can absolutely help you with all the stuff that I know about yeah. it. Um, I actually think part of what was really fun and is I'm I don't know because I haven't been at that table before, but I would guess is maybe not something that you would normally do in the story. Is that we definitely had some moments at the the very beginning um, before my NPC encountered the actual player character group of like setting up some situational stuff. Um, kind of like, you know, having, having basically the backs, the, 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 the movie edit, right. Where you get to see 
both what the main characters were doing and then cut down to what was happening on the planet that they didn't actually know about yet, right? Yeah. Um, before they actually had real interaction. Um, and that was pretty cool, too. I had fun doing that with you, at least, because that was like... Well, yeah, and so the thing, <laughs> so the thing is, I very much run Ox like it's a TV show. Yeah. So we very much did the kind of opening scene opening scenes before like the like before the stars arrive like we did that whole setup um yeah and, and, was, and played it out and it was I fun was very like, very inspired by a recent beginning of watching strange new worlds and there's no yep. spoilers in this but like there was one scene in that that ended up just springing into my head and that was like okay that this is how this scene starts it's an over-the-shoulder shot of me clicking my way down a hallway in some sort of strict uniform into a room full of military personnel saying, there's a ship in the sky. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I loved it, right? Yeah. Like it was, it was it cool was, to kind of was... set you up and get, and get you into the story, which was good because I also like chalked your um, character sheet with like a whole bunch of bullet points of things um, for you right, to be able was... to just, there was a whole bunch of information on there, too, for me to basically start, um, you know, revealing as it made sense. Yep. Um, which was fun from the perspective that you were no longer, like, you were certainly there to make sure the right information got passed. Because I was just like, ah, I'm just going to riff off of this stuff. You correct me. Um, but, like, to make sure that the, the information got passed along, but it didn't necessarily then have to come from you. It came from in-character conversations that I had. Yeah, um, which was which was awesome because normally I'm the conduit that has to right for um, all information. Yeah, that has to like dispense all that. So it was fun to actually hand that off, um, and very much in a co-GMing kind of thing. That would be a yeah. um, uh, yeah. what you call it. I, that would be a very uh, kind of fun kind of game to co-GM. I would almost say that having co-GM'd with you, a lot of how I approached playing that character because she was very clearly an NPC was a lot more like a very specific narrow path of how we co-GM together. Yeah. Yeah. And so pulling this back to kind of close yeah. out this gaming <laughs> advice thing, really sure, that. <laughs> what we're talking about is there are really two methods for guest starring, which is make the character, the guest star, a PC and just throw them in with the PCs or this kind of hybrid co-GMing approach where the where the guest star is very much an important and powerful NPC, but is really working more with the GM uh, to yeah. help advance the story than working with the PCs to just move through the story. Yeah. And that probably warrants a future discussion. Um, Bob, put a pin in it. Oh, where are you? Ding. Because I, I think Misdirected Mark not too long ago in the last year or so did a whole episode on guest star guest starring. But yeah. we could definitely do a thing about this kind of particular guest starring because this kind of guest starring was more like GM assistant and less like um, come join, you know, like, hey, bring your barbarian to our, you know, to the party, you know, for the session. Like, yeah, this, it's a this very is, different way it ran. Yes. Um, this is very much... Um, narrow lane co-GMing, right? Yeah. That's what I, that's how I would describe it um, yeah. off yeah, the it top a, of my head. It was yeah. definitely a form of co-GMing um, with, you know, some, you know, here's a chunk of information. Here's some, you know, basic guidelines for the character. Here's how, you know, here's where you're going to roughly fit in and go. 
Yeah, it was very cool. It was very cool. I enjoyed it a bunch. Everybody enjoyed having you there. I don't Aww. think you had a bad time being nope. the um, special. You were literally the special guest star of the episode, like in the <laughs> credits. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So we're doing a good job eating up clock time here. Yeah. Uh, talking yeah. about gaming stuff. So um, <laughs> let's just round out the episode uh, with somewhat shorter um, discussion of based on our trip. Um, what gave you what gave you life that wasn't gaming? Can I say two things again? <laughs> you can if you can I'm, say them succinctly. I'm going to say them succinctly. Okay, I'm going to start with, um, I got to go back to Cats Like Us, which, boy, if you just happen to be in Buffalo or near Buffalo, or you order clothes online and you're into um, vintage reproduction clothing and also real vintage clothing, um, I really like them. They're a small business and they um, have a lot of brands that I really like and um, they're very nice people and um, if that's just a thing that you're into you should absolutely check them out either if you're in Buffalo or online at catslikeus.com um, they also measure everything even the new reproduction stuff that they put up everything is measured so just uh, I love that anyway so I got to go back there which was very exciting and um, and we got ice cream <laughs> Not just any we, ice cream. We went to Lake Effect ice cream, which is really good ice cream. It's better than my local mom and pop ice cream place. Although I do really like my local mom and pop ice cream place. Um, uh, but, but boy, Lake Effect is really good. Um, and they had a seasonal flavor that was kind of to die for, which was London Fog, which was like an Earl Grey vanilla ice cream with little tiny like little tiny chunks of toffee like small enough that they were not a pain in the butt to chew from being frozen but big enough that you could taste them mm -hmm. like the perfect size of toffee for ice cream and then in th it was in the earl gray vanilla tea ice cream and I'm sort of dreaming of it now because I, I I went and got it we went and got it the first time and then I made you <laughs> I talked you into going out and getting it again in the middle of a rainstorm. <laughs> it wasn't really a, it, again. it wasn't really a lot of talking into. I it love ice cream. Take, it didn't take a lot of pressure, but it wasn't exactly the weather for it, and I didn't exactly care. <laughs> I'm contemplating getting ice cream tonight. I mean, oh, not, not not from Lake Effect. I will not um I will not give you FOMO for going to Lake Effect, but I may run up to Anderson's and get a Sunday or something. That's um, also fair. But we'll see. Um, oh, anyway. That was really good. Yeah. So how about you? Sure. Um, so uh, my, I think my favorite thing was while you were here, uh, we made two, I don't want to say they were complicated, two labor intensive dinners while you were here. Like they were, yeah. they were, they just required a bunch of work. So the first one we made was um, my first attempt at recreating my mom's chicken Parmesan. Yes. Um, it, which isn't, I mean, look, it's not a terribly complicated, chicken parmesan is not a terribly, terribly complicated recipe, but I had never made chicken cutlets before, like frying them in a pan. And anyway, we did all that yeah, and we did it as it, a team. Like we were just working away. Um, we, you know, I don't think it'll come to surprise anyone on who listens to the show, but we have actually a really good, um, ability to work together. So I have a very tiny little kitchen in my apartment, but we yeah, were able do. to maneuver in and out of that kitchen and get stuff done um, very smoothly. The chicken parm came out great. Like I was very pleased with it. I had it. Um, I had leftovers after you left. 
It was delicious. And I still have a little bit more in the freezer. Uh, because the reason I was learning to make it is it is my son's favorite meal that my mother makes. And um, with him getting ready to leave for school, I wanted to be able to make it for him as comfort food kind of thing. So I was like, I will learn your grandmother's um, recipe. So we did that. And then the other one we made is actually a recipe I got off of uh, TikTok, which is this Tuscan chicken and pasta, which oh, is man. this um, creamy, like cream tomato onion shallot red pepper sauce with um like this like seasoned blackened chicken on top of it with pasta and uh stuff and it's just it's it's um it's a little in, it's intensive in that um you're making the sauce from scratch like it is cream it is chopped up veggies some tomatoes spinach a whole bunch of spices um and it happens fairly quickly so like I, we made the we made the chicken deglaze the pan and then like you just it, it just start throwing ingredients in the pan and every like few minutes you just grab the next ingredient and throw it in so it was a recipe that required uh, more upfront prep which you know falls into my love of mise en place like yeah there was so, we had to stage it out a little bit in advance yes yeah but once it was staged out um, I you know jumped in and you know got the chicken going and then when the chicken was done I passed it to you to start chopping it up and stuff. And then I went to work on the sauce. Um, and that's the second time I've made it, but like it make like, it's perfect. Like it's such a good recipe. Um, it's, uh, it's from a young man. I forget his name and I don't think I don't have my iPad with me, so I can't look it up. Um, if people are curious, ask us we in should, Slack yeah, or on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, or or if you remember to look it up later, I can put it in the show notes. There we go. But um, it was but, really good. I want to make it again. Yeah, it was from a, it was from a young man that I saw on on TikTok, and then he had this like online, very inexpensive cookbook with like twenty recipes in it. This was one of them, and uh, we made it. I made it once to test it before you came out. Like I made it like months ago and was like, oh no, no it's yeah. delicious. You yeah. have to try it. And then we made it, and it totally was delicious again. Oh, it was really good. There's yeah. there are two things that we do did differently than his recipe. Yes. The first one is. Um, I am always a fan of using the same pan for things because you have to get the bits at yes, the bottom. Which the we did. And we deglazed, and which we deglazed was not in the recipe. wine, which is also not in the recipe, yeah. Which did not hurt that sauce. There, if you're going to put three cups of cream into a pan and make a sauce out of it, I... I personally am the kind of person who would just be like and some wine like you're not gonna get me not adding wine to that recipe like a cream sauce has to have wine in it that's just it, it totally i worked. learned this from julia childs and i just trust her on this one <laughs> yep it was fantastic it was um so we ate we ate well we ate we well like eat well. we ate out once or twice but it was nothing actually compared to um to so the stuff we made we made yeah yeah so that was, that was, I enjoyed cooking with you. I enjoyed, like, I cook, you know, I cook a lot. You cook a lot. We, you know, we often talk to each other while cooking in our respective kitchens, but it was a lot of fun to actually cook with you um, in the same kitchen, which I guess, as I'm going to head us into the closing of the show, kind of runs in parallel to the guest star thing because, yeah. <laughs> like, it was, was once say, again co GMing, like, we were, we were co creating the food. Yes. Right. Yeah. And we did. And, and as usual, we have like a, again, we have a really good working relationship, um, which in the kitchen very much consists of one of us 
is kind of leading, one of us is supporting, but it switches depending on who's doing which part of the meal. Like yeah. when you were frying the chicken cutlets, because you had done it before and I hadn't, um, I kind of just kind of followed you. Like I actually breaded them and got them into the oil and then you kind of came back over and like flipped them and like, is re- it's just very fluid. Um, we work very well in the kitchen together. We work yeah. well together most places. <laughs> I've not, I've not encountered a place where we have not worked well together. So. <laughs> it <And> was a delight. <laughs> and with that, let us head to the closing of the show. Uh, in order to get us to the to the closing of the show, we have to talk about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Do you have one in mind? I do. I was actually going to talk about Misdirected Mark, the Misdirected Mark podcast on which you can catch this guy named Phil. I don't know, you know, that dude. Um, Bob and Jerry, um, and they go live just about every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. It's nice. You just get to hear more of Phil. I mean, if that's a, if that's a thing you enjoy, then yes. <laughs> okay. Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet well you can find us on the twitter at pandas talk games you can find us um, in the misdirected mark forums which is forums.misdirectedmark.com you can drop us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com which i think is working okay but i did check on it there was a little bit of funkiness last week Um, and uh, or if you prefer you can find us on the tiki talkies where we use our personal twitter handles (laughs) <laughs> so that we're theoretically findable. I'm just unspellable. So, yep. Yep. Once you find us in one of those locations, Phil, what can they do with that information? Yeah, absolutely. Um, ask us a question. Uh, ask us to talk about a topic. Literally, if anything is on your mind about RPGs, um, we're here to we're here to help. Our goal is to make your job running the game and even your job playing the game more enjoyable. So if there's a thing about your game that is just less fun than the other parts of your game, tell us and let's see if we can come up with something to kind of help make that go smooth or more smoothly, smoother, something like that. More better games is what we want you to run. Look, we're going to tell I'm just going to give you the secret. This is a secret to the whole show here. Oh, boy. The more enjoyment you have GMing, the more games you will GM. The more games you GM, the longer you stay in this hobby. That's it right there, folks. Like, it's got to be fun in order for you to keep doing it. So let us help you. If you you bump into something that's not fun or harder than the other stuff, tell us. We'll, We'll see if we can't help you get, you know, help you find a shortcut or a way to understand what's happening, solve it for you, whatever. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. More, better games. Okay. If you like what we do here, elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Patreon, Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to our Slack Room for Life. They get the Bamboo Lounge from this show and the after show from the Misdirected Mark. The Slack Room is really um, where it's at. Uh, it's a great place to talk about gaming, pop culture, recipes. We talk about serious stuff too. There are channels for that. You don't have to go into them if you don't want to. Um, you curate your own experience within the misdirected market community. 
Um, but it is just a group of people talking about the things that are the that are interesting to them. And also on Fridays, we get together on Zoom, uh, a tradition we started during pandemic that we refuse to give up. So mm-hmm. we have an open Zoom uh, for everybody that's on the um, that's on the Slack room. It's usually like 10, 12 people a week. Uh, but, you know, if you're there, you're there. Like we'd love to like we'd love to meet you, get to know you, talk with you, chat, etc. We have some regulars. We have some people who drop in from time to time. It's it's a lot of fun. Anyway, um, thank you if you are one of our patrons for supporting what we do. It does help to keep the lights on. If you are already a patron, thank you. If you're not a patron, unable to do it, we understand completely. But there is a thing that requires a little bit of your time. We understand your time is important and uh, it has value. There's a little thing you can do with your time that helps our show greatly. We've seen it just recently, the last couple of weeks, a couple yeah. times, and <laughs> um, and it's great. And so we hope it's you know if you have the time um, to do it, we would love you to be able to do it. Send a please. Uh, tell people what that thing is. Well, we love it when you spread the word. Um, If somebody is like, boy, I'm looking for a new podcast to listen to, and you think that they might be interested in the kind of thing that we talk about, um, we really appreciate it when you drop the name Pandit's Talking Games. It's super duper helpful. It really does um, seem to be the most effective way um, to just spread the word about the show. But we also appreciate it an awful lot. And it's there forever for me to go back and look every time I have low self-esteem. <laughs> um, which is you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Um, the reviews that we get there are like telling a stranger that you like us and then be able to listen to it, right? Um, so that's really cool too. So thank you so much to everybody um, who has both left a review on a podcast platform and um, who's just told a friend or told someone on Twitter who they thought might be interested. We really appreciate both of those so very much. Um, so thank you. Awesome. Say, Senda, um, what is the, what's the next recipe that we're going to wind up uh, cooking together? I think that we should do, I should teach you um, my childhood favorite from my Julia Child's cookbook, Supreme Duvelai Oblong. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, show me what you got, hey. Bloopy. Clicky. Hello, hello. Oh, ah, tried to yank my headphones out of my ears. Hi. Are you okay? Yes. <laughs> Do you require assistance? Um, 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 maybe? Okay. <laughs> anyway, we should do show. What do you think? Yeah, let's do show. Okay. Bloop. Do, 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 do